Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Kid Stays in the Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cooper, and joining me is... Solomon Hooper. Good job. I like that. Thank you. So this week, um, we have a very uh, kind of weird uh, episode because on the one hand, really excited to talk about the uh, 1975 Steven Spielberg classic Jaws. I know it's odd. This movie's been talked about uh, ad nauseum since it was released, uh, Film school essays have been written on, on it for decades and decades, and essays, it's it's a studied film. But yes. you know what? For us, um, well, I almost said it's new. It's not really new for both of us, but basically. Yeah. Um, and we also are just going to very briefly, there's not a ton to talk about, but we, we did get you guys all hyped up for it. Um, we're going to discuss the... If, the first two episodes that they released of the new Rings of Power show. Yes, the Lord of the Rings show that is now the most expensive television show I think really? ever made. Really? I I really think it was like 417 million dollar budget. Jeff Be- Bezos buy this, right? It's Amazon. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he did. I wouldn't be Himself, surprised. But it, yeah, it's Amazon. So anyway, let's not dilly-dally. I mean, you've made it a huge point that this discussion will be very brief. Yeah, well, I don't want us to... I really want to make sure we have enough time to talk about Jaws, and there's only two episodes of the show so far. Um, but yeah, so the this Lord of the Rings show, it takes place in a weird... And if you don't know a lot about Tolkien, I'm not the person to ask, but I did do a little bit of research going in. Good job. So I think that the Lord of the Rings movies take place in what's called like the Third Age. Okay. And the... This show is set thousands of years before that in what is the second age, mm. but it also kind of starts in the first age, which is also thousands of years long. Yeah. If not, if I'm not mistaken. So a lot of ground to cover to get us into the story. Yeah. Um, so I would just say that off the top of my, off the top of my head, uh, the acting costume sets, special effects, all that stuff. Top notch. You can really, you can really see the budget there. Yeah, it's just everything is gorgeous. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where, and I'm I'm guilty of saying this too, so I'm not making fun of anybody who says it or writes it in their blog or uh, you know their reviews or whatever. But I've heard it so much with this show that it actually really is annoying me now. People saying you can really see the money on the screen. Really? (laughs) Yes. So many people are saying it, and it's so it's so it's crass. To me, because that implies that they just threw money at it and it made things happen. You know, mm-hmm. like the the Wheel of Time show also is really expensive and it doesn't look like that great. Halo is really expensive and it doesn't look that great. You can't just throw money at the screen. Yeah, I know. You know what I mean? And make it look good. You need like uh, some talented, like incredibly talented and devoted people behind it. So I just want to say this, the sets and the costuming and everything is so meticulous and perfect that not for it's this is the one thing I'll say is that because too early to compare it to the movies, but on that front, I will compare it to the movies. They don't feel like sets, they don't feel like costumes, you but know? that's a good thing, right? Because the movies yeah. didn't feel like sets, that's or what I'm saying. Okay, okay, yeah, just making sure, yeah. So, like the Harfoots, like their little area they live in, their little camp or whatever, mm-hmm. doesn't feel like look like a set at all, and yeah, it should look really setish. It looks like a really fun, like, like, um. 
little village like from Scarborough Fair. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then was there anything you wanted to add on that? Sorry, before I move on. No, no, no. I, I, I said my piece. I said they just threw <laughs> chucked money at the screen. Well, the other thing I want to say is that from an, the acting is, is really honestly phenomenal. And there's two things I was worried about. Um, one is, was I going to be able to connect with any of these new characters? Cause the kind of the whole thing that we were sad about when you're leaving Lord of the Rings is yeah, you technically are sure you're sad. Like, Oh, I'm not going to get to spend any more time with this universe. Now that these movies are over, mm-hmm. but you're also sad that you're not going to, like you said, last podcast, you're not going to get to spend time with your friends anymore. Yeah. I miss Legolas already. Yeah. So I was like, are we going to a be able to make new friends that we really care about as much as we care about these other people? Jury's still out on that. Who knows? Um, secondly, will we be able to accept some of the actors playing parts of characters that were in the original movies? Specifically, we have, uh, Galadriel, I wussed out of trying to pronounce it. it and that made it through. worse. It made it worse. It's like Galadriel. Yeah, there you go. You're much better. So Galadriel and then Elrond are, are. The main two, I'm, there might be more that I haven't seen yet that are, that I didn't pick up on. But um, I will say that besides the fact that he doesn't look like um, the guy who plays Elrond. I'm, At how, all. How am I blanking on his name? It's really embarrassing to me. What do you mean? The actor's name who plays Elrond. I didn't even know yet. I don't. <laughs> you didn't know he had a name. <laughs> I, was, I, went, I, didn't, I never oh knew what gosh. it was. He plays Agent Smith. I'm just totally blanking on it. Oh, that guy. Never mind. You uh, should know that. That's it, embarrassing. Yeah. That's Anyway, everyone knows who I'm talking about. Um, this guy, the new guy who's playing him doesn't look like him at all. Solomon had an issue with him. I know some of my other friends have an issue, like just with the way he looks. He looks so silly. But I thought he was great, so I didn't have an issue with, issue with it at all. It took me like a, a the second episode for me to fully be okay with it. Um, and then um, Galadriel, I thought, I think she's amazing. She's immaculate. Also, you can tell that we did not look any of these things up beforehand because now I can't remember her name either. It's yeah. really shameful. Well, well, I can name other movies that she was in. Does that matter? Please don't do that. That just sounds really annoying. So we'll just say the new actors. Wow, this is amateur hour over here. Didn't look those people up. Well, well, this is what happens when you want to brief, brief rush on through. Also, in my defense, we weren't really planning on talking about this 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 episode. So That's fair. Um, and the reason is because... The first episode has so much ground to cover. It's well done. It was I thought it was really fun to watch. But it has to cover so much ground that you don't really get to know any of the characters. It's just kind of explaining to you how did we get up to this point. Yeah. And then it's not until the second episode that we, we really get to set up for the stories. But we don't really have a good idea. Of like where they're all going. Of where they're going. What's happening. is Are certain people are going to be main characters? Are they dead? You know what I mean? <laughs> Um, and, and because of that, I wanted to wait until next week, but I, 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 I had to force my father. We, we did three episodes for this show. So, um, you know, not for this show, we did three episodes so that we could follow week to week the, the show, but yeah, it's fine. I'm I'm, I didn't to mean for this it. show, the podcast show. I meant for the show that we just now watched. Oh yeah. It rings of power. Yeah. So I felt like y'all needed to hear it as soon as we, as soon as we got the information, we got to relay it. Yeah, well, I'll say that overall, I was really excited by the end of the second episode. I am upset that I couldn't binge watch it, so I have to go week to week. Um, but it's gorgeous. If you like the world of Lord of the Rings, I think you'll really like this. But uh, what were your takeaways? What were some standouts for you? Uh, we just already had a full-on conversation. I don't think we need to... Sp- well, like standout characters. What characters did you like? We didn't really talk about anything. The two main characters. That's who you liked the most? I, Yes, the Harfoots, I found... We're fine. They're just kind of annoying to me. I I like the I like the new elf that we have, the elf and his, his like, what's the word? The guy who's going through the tunnels. Yeah, but I can't think of the word for, or yeah, the elf and his like forbidden love. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's pretty fun. Well, but, you didn't mention the dwarves. I was kind of leaving that for you. Well, I like the dwarves, dude. The dwarf, the dwarf, the dwarf city. I said the dwarf three times. Mm-hmm. Um, I told you I should have got you an espresso. The dwarf that I'm not low energy, Dad. Whatever. Um, the dwarf city was so cool and massive, and I know you loved very specific things, but everything was like crazy because it's the first dwarven city we've actually seen like 
alive unless there's driving no unless there's one the hobbit there isn't yeah so we see all kinds of different things i i'll leave the one thing that you loved about it um like the elevators were really cool like they were using like two giant pulleys on each side and you could like see it it was like an open concept elevator um there's like tons of geez that's fun to listen to (coughs) sorry um, and there's like tons of like like moss and like foliage just in random spots, and um, it just is really really pretty. Well, I was talking more about the characters, but since you decided not to d- talk about them, I'm gonna have to do it myself because I thought that I thought the the dwarven characters were like my favorites. Well, I like them also. I was just talking about the. Okay, it's fine. I just thought whenever I was asking if there's any standout characters, and you just said the two main people because you didn't really seem like you liked Elrond whenever we were watching it. Yeah, but, making fun of him. But the then I liked him whenever he went to the dwarf place. Well, I really love the um, dwarven prince. I can't. I can't remember his name either. I only remember him as the prince. Something with a D. Dermarin, Dare a day here. Nope, none of those things. <laughs> anyway, him and his wife and his family—they were all amazing. That whole part was really just fun. It was fun, and that's the other thing. The show is is it is serious. You know what I mean. It's not whatever, but it's um it it can be light when it needs to be and funny, which I thought was really appreciated because people forget that there was light, funny things in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, they get too obsessed with the seriousness of I'm it. I really want you to talk about the thing that I left for you to talk about. No, I don't want to talk about that. That's too much in the. That's too much in the weeds. You were. You were. I've never seen someone fanboy over a small little thing so much. So you better speak about it right now. Uh, so in, when they go into the dwarven city, the thing that I thought was really cool, really neat detail. And this is why. I say, this is why I said the thing about like throwing money at the screen. Yeah, it costs money to do these things. Well, that's not what I was saying. But if people just hurled money, like big globs of money, like spitballs at the screen, that doesn't mean you're going to necessarily get art or artistry. And this this detail I just thought was so fascinating, which was um, you can tell, again, fully showing, not telling, right? Mm -hmm. Any other show would have been like explaining this to us. I'm bearing the lead here. But so when they're going down throughout the uh, going down the elevator through the dwarf city, you can see there's these huge mirrors that are reflecting sunlight from the surface. And they they're enormous, like humongous. And they. They're, it's rotating around, so it, that's how they are cultivating their crops and their trees, is they have these mirrors that reflect light, and they stay on there for a little bit, and then it, after a certain amount of time, it moves over. Mm-hmm. It's purely in the background, you know what I mean? Yep. It's it's not dis- it's not, um, it's not discussed, but if you can imagine, if this is like, the, I hate to keep knocking on the Wheel of Time show, but if this is like Wheel of Time show, they'd been going down, and if they'd spent that money on it, they would have been like, oh... This is the light of blah blah blah. We constructed it to grow our. You know what I mean? They would have. They yeah. would have been like, if we're spending money on it, it's because we're talking about it in the script. Yeah. If it's not talked about the script, nobody designs it. Nobody thinks about it. Nobody cares about it. Whereas I just feel like a lot of care was put into how the city was going to be constructed. I don't know if that's in the reference material that Tolkien wrote. It could be that he talks about how they did it. Mm-hmm. But whether it did or not, it's in there and it was awesome. Well, I just want to say that's not what I was saying earlier. I was just saying you could see. That those huge sets do cost money. So I was saying they look really judging. nice. I said I wasn't judging. Well, I just felt I felt judged. Okay, I felt. I, I said that at the, I said at the outset that I was just some people have been mm-hmm. saying it so Except much. I just said it, and uh, then you said it. Said the thing. But I said it's because it's been so many people are saying it, and every single review, every single article is saying the same thing. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. Well, now look, we used an entire segment talking about Rings of Power, and now we're going to have two segments to talk about. Jaws. I think that's plenty of segments. I think that's more than enough segments. Well, we have about a minute and a half, so um, just we'll do the intro so we can jump directly into the movie. Uh, Solomon never had seen Jaws before. I have seen Jaws. I've seen Jaws 3D. Yeah, you see Jaws 3D, you know, the real best Jaws movie. Mm -hmm. I had seen Jaws as a child. I had seen Jaws. I saw Jaws as a child. However... It was, um, for a second I thought the Jaws music was playing in my head. (laughs) I'd seen Jaws as a a child, but like, it'd be like I'd watch some of it on TV and then my mom would make me turn it off. And then, you know, we'd see bits and pieces of it at film school. So I've seen the entirety of Jaws, but I don't, I I don't, I can't remember ever sitting down and watching the movie front to back. 
So that's why I, I would like to say I, I that this is a new experience for both of us um, watching this. And that's why, even though it's been out for, what, 40 years now? Something like 50. that? 50. Yeah, 50 years. Came out in 75. Five. Then it's been like, I thought you said it was his 50th anniversary. I thought it was, but when I was doing the math, it didn't make sense. Well, maybe it's its 47th anniversary then? Something like that. Uh, either way. It was, I, it's embarrassing to me, so that's why I didn't want to say, you know, oh, it's my first time ever watching Jaws, because it really isn't, but it kind of is. Yeah, it's your but, first time sitting down and watching the full thing front but, to back. Yeah, not only not only is it embarrassing, it's like a, a film school graduate and a, you know, film, I was going to say aficionado, uh, I was going to say lover. They all oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, it's a, it's a weak spot. And I'm also a huge Spielberg fan, you know? Yeah. And so it's always been a weird weak spot that I haven't sat down and watched it. So anyway, get excited because when we come back, we're going to be discussing a not very recent movie. Yeah. But get, one that if you haven't watched recently, you definitely should. Oh my gosh. Get excited. What a, what a phrase. Welcome to One Star Rewind, a new podcast about those dreaded one-star reviews that every business owner hates to receive, but yet every customer loves to read. During this podcast, we will peel back that one-star review to better understand how it happened, when it happened, and what the business owner is doing after receiving that one-star review. This podcast will be about love, hate, and laughter. On One Star Rewind, we will meet with real business owners who will tell their stories and how they do rely on reviews for their business. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or download us at roguemedianetwork.com. Please subscribe, but only rate and review for not a one-star review. Join us each time for a new review and a new story. And I'm Mike. And we have a fantastic new podcast to tell you about. Bros, foes, and heroes. It's the two of us looking into the world of comics, breaking down some characters that you may have never heard of, and some that are just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, so Zach comes up with a character each time, and uh, I go into it just completely blind. I don't know who this person is or what their abilities are or anything, and and basically I guess we kind of go over their origin story and just some of the ridiculous stuff that maybe especially golden age stuff. Oh, golden yeah. age stuff is always the best and we will make sure to highlight all of the shenanigans and just absolute weirdness yeah. of everything. Yeah, that's right. So subscribe today and uh, follow us on Instagram at Bros Bros Heroes and if you don't I know where you live. Not really, but please subscribe. <laughs> Bros and Bros and Heroes Gonna tell you about pros and foes and heroes. Gonna tell you about. Welcome back to the Kids Days in the podcast and our discussion of Jaws. I almost forgot what the name of our show was. That's really embarrassing. It's, it's, it's right there, and I just also forgot. I didn't mention for the folks who are just listening that um, even though I knew it was going to cover my bulging muscles. I'm wearing my, this is my Jaws outfit. I think it looks fitting. I'm dressed like the ocean. Mm, that's what you meant earlier. See, I'm always wearing Hawaiian stuff, so I feel like I'm always Yeah, but my... this is like a bl bright blue Hawaiian shirt. It feels very Jawsy to me. Okay, all right. I'm so glad you're on theme today. So, going into this movie, this is a, a, a older movie, obviously, mm -hmm. before I was even born, a decade before I was born. Um, uh, what were you, what were you kind of thinking the movie's going to look and feel like in your experience was going to be? 
Um, I didn't really know what to expect, honestly. I, I, I know I've heard good things about it. Um, you know, it's a, it's a classic, but I didn't really have any, like, except for Jaws 3D, which I don't really remember at all. I had no sense of what it could possibly be like, because I feel like it can't be so good and look really bad, you know, and it's Steven Spielberg's first movie. So I thought maybe he was like, still like getting into being a director or something <laughs> like that. He's still figuring that, figuring the whole thing <laughs> yeah, out. <laughs> trying to figure things out. So I didn't think it was going to be like great, but I, I wasn't, I didn't think I was going to give it like a three. Were you thinking you were going to be bored? No. I, I, I thought I was just going to just sit there and watch it, you know? I just thought I was just going to be like, oh, okay. All right. This is happening in front of my face. Oh. Like, I, don't, I didn't feel like I was going to have a whole lot of anything, personally. Well, one thing I want to uh, just point out to our, I almost said viewers, but viewers. If, there, if there is a viewer, but mostly listeners. Um, the format that we saw this in was very unique. So I really just thought this was a re-release of the movie for an anniversary. Um, but I knew there had to have been something because it was going to be shown at the IMAX, which is a different format. Mm -hmm. What I didn't know is this was like a remaster, fully Steven Spielberg approved remaster that didn't just touch up and put the image into IMAX. It also put it into 3D. So this was something I've said several times, you know, since we watched it, but I do not like post-conversion 3D. I nope. hate it. Mm -mm. That's... For those of you that don't know, that just means when a movie is not shot in 3D and then the studio goes and retroactively tries to make it more 3D um, or make it in 3D to charge you an extra, you know, 15 bucks. And it looks like garbage. It darkens this image. It makes it blurry, makes it dim. It's like watching a movie through a dirty window. Yeah. And so when I found out that it was in 3D, I'm not going to lie, my excitement dropped Yeah. to the ground. And the only reason I bring this up, other than to highly encourage every single person listening to, if you can still, if it's still showing in, near you, go see this in 3D at the IMAX. If it's not in 3D and it's just the IMAX version, go see it either way. It's a great remaster and mm -hmm. it's a great movie to see, you know, on the big screen. Um, but I also wanted to discuss it because it leads into something that I think is a really interesting part of watching this movie, which is the 3D really highlights the way that this movie is composed and, and how every shot is framed. And I think me and you might have talked about this a little bit before, but m most movies, not just modern movies, but most movies try and use a lot of range of depth of field and focus. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, I'm genuinely asking. I'm not, like, saying, like, are you dumb? I, I, I don't. I don't. No. That was a Sorry, I, I don't know what you mean. Is it, you just... So when you're shooting something, you'll want it to kind of mimic what the human eye does. Yeah. So if there's something really close to you, that thing is in focus, and the thing behind it is out of focus. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you learned this in photography. Yes, I know. Yes. Yeah, so when you have a shallow depth of field, you have less less that's in focus. Right. Yes. So I'm following. So, but you, I feel like you already know all this, though. Yes, I do. I know all these things. Yeah. So why did you say you didn't understand? What well, I, I just didn't fully. I just, I think maybe I just went. My mind went blank for a second. So if you're, if when you're normally shooting a film, that's a lot of things that directors like to, to play around with. The director of photography likes to play around with, right? Where, how, how shallow or deep do you want your focus to be? And are you going to rack focus between the two things? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's a common technique for you. Uh, and this movie, and now I haven't, I haven't devoted enough time watching and rewatching to see if there's any shots that don't match up to this. I'm sure there are, but for the most part, the outdoor shots in this movie are essentially an infinite depth of field, right? Like yeah. you can see on and on and on and on past the main characters. Everything crisp, sharp, focused the whole time. Mm -hmm. People talking and walking, buildings. Yeah. Um, and my suspicion is that this was done intentionally, not just to showcase the town, the landscapes, and the vastness of the ocean, 
but rather to make everything feel like the, um, you know, the kind of scary way that the ocean can be when you're right in the middle of it and you look around, there's nothing besides water. It's infinite, but it feels almost claustrophobic. You know what I mean? Sure. Does that makes sense. Yeah. Like, you know, how I have a bizarre phobia of like being in one of those whale tanks, like sea world or whatever. <laughs> Not at all. Did you have a brain aneurysm on the way over here? <laughs> no, I've We've, no. I've talked about this a million times. That you have. Oh wait, yeah, 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 yeah. That you've like just <laughs> like whatever you you were like really scared of. Just yeah, I know what you're talking about. Just being, I just for some reason I thought you meant like like a like a little whatever. It doesn't matter. It's besides the point. I just got. I was like, what are you talking about? I know. So you've been like all morning. No, it's not. Yeah, you have been. You like I know what that is. I'm like you just said that you didn't. That was what one. It was. That was just one thing earlier. That's not all morning long. Stop making me argue with you. <laughs> you, you also <laughs> just did it about the depth of field and everything. That was five seconds ago. Anyway, do you understand what I'm saying? So like I have this phobia of like being in the middle of one of those big whale uh, tanks at like SeaWorld or whatever. Yes, and it's it's oddly claustrophobic feeling to me, and it's because. It's not just because there's a whale in there. It's the idea of it in general. Yeah, there's just darkness. It's like being scared it's of the too, dark, but it's water. It's not darkness. It's just too much, and you can't see anything in any direction. Yeah, so it's like being scared of the dark because you can't see anything sure. in any of the directions. Well, yeah, I'm just saying that it's not dark in the whale thing that I'm talking about. Well, okay. Anyway, uh, so I really feel like that is one of the reasons why they chose to use this kind of almost infinite depth of field is because there's something unsettling about it. You know, there's, I, I, I'm not going to stand by this. I'm sure there are some people that would, that would, you know, smack me down. I mean, I'm not going to stand by if somebody argues with me. I'm going to stand by my theory right now. Mm -hmm. Hardcore. Yeah. Because the, the, one of the great things about the film is that there is this underlying sense of that something's not right throughout the whole movie. I mean, we obviously we see somebody getting, getting killed. Yep. But there's a feeling of dread kind of hovering over the whole picture. And it's not just because of the photography um, or cinematography, but I do think that is something that adds to it. It's not natural as a human being to just be able to see everything in focus. You know what I mean? It's not also the way we normally watch movies and this movie, everything is in, everything's in focus. You can see like when he's, when the, uh, Sheriff is standing in the streets of Amity. You can see all the way back. You can see all the houses. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. When they're on the beach, every beachgoer is in focus from the ones in the front all the way to the ones close to the water and then all the way out to the infinite horizon line of the ocean. Yep. And I, I thought that was really interesting because the 3D conversion they did on this actually just highlights that. So it just adds depth. Mm -hmm. All the way through. So the movie, when you're watching it at the IMAX, it feels like you're watching it through a huge 3D diorama or something. It's hard, to, kind of hard to explain. Yeah, I feel like the, for me, like the, my best, like how I, the, it, the best example of the 3D for me personally um, was, or like what you're saying, not the inf infinite infinity or whatever, but it's just the scene where they're like on the boat and they're like drunk mm -hmm. and you can just see the beer bottle in front. Mm -hmm. And then them in the back and in the table. And I just feel like everything felt so. It added depth. Yeah, it added it added so much depth because that bottle felt really, really close and everything else felt like like everything. Yeah. Yeah. No, I um, I thought that, that I, I really can't express how much I thought that the, the that 3D conversion was great. And like I said, I highly recommend you watch it. If they don't have it in 3D, it's fine. It, it's um, it's still a gorgeous print. Um, and then kind of just a little bit, it's the thing is this movie's been discussed so much that I know we're just going to be retreading ground. It's been trod over, over and over. Trod? Again. Yeah, it's been trod all. Trod. It's a word? Yes. I don't, you should not be questioning words. No, I just feel like I've never heard the word trod in my life. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of words you've never heard in your life. Okay. You're not going to learn everything in life from TikToks. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so Solomon, you have one of those. I learned this from TikTok hoodies. No, it's not. No, I don't. <laughs> no, it's not. That's <laughs> not. You forgot to speak. Um, so before we move on from like the cinematography and stuff, it's so hard to though. 
but because I could talk about it for much longer. I wanted to continue talking about it. But yeah, what did you think about like because this this is this is technically Spielberg's I think first theatrical release. He had done a TV movie called Duel beforehand, um, but this is first picture. What did you think about like his grasp of cinematic language? You know what I mean? His ability to frame shots, his ability to tie them together. You sound so annoying. <laughs> Sorry. You said his grasp of cinematic language. I instantly was like, that was horrible. Um, <laughs> sorry. But honestly. You're like, it was Liddy. It was goaded with the sauce. That's what you want me to talk like? That, I, you, you know, you're, you're horrible. You're a horrible person. Um, but I would say, so I often talk about like, certain shots like um in movies like Candyman where there's like that's one shot or or um and Candyman that one shot yeah we all like that one okay where the shot where they zoom out and you see like this murder scene but there's always in like oh there's always like one shot in a movie that looks like great Mm -hmm. but for this movie I feel like every single shot was perfectly angled and perfectly placed and everything was just just planned Everything felt like every single action of the camera had a purpose, and it was gorgeous. This whole movie was absolutely stunning, and to quote you, way too gorgeous for a shark movie or a horror movie or whatever. I don't know if that's quoting me. <clears throat> you said, okay, it's not summarizing. Paraphrasing me. Paraphrasing, that's the word. Yep. Thank you. Um, So, yeah, I just feel like this whole movie was... Chef's kiss for cinematography. Yeah, I mean, certainly the compositions for every everything. He, that that was a thing, especially because he is a was a young, hungry director. Probably not a lot of stuff was getting thrown off to like the B crew. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's where somebody else goes and like directs some of the shots yeah. that are bore, too boring for the director to get. I don't feel like that was happening here. So even shots where the, a, a director who's not as hungry or Maybe like Spielberg now, who's you know directed a bazillion other movies, but like they wouldn't have taken the care to frame and compose, and like you said, give because every movie should, by the way, do what you're doing, so do what you're saying about every shot and composition and movement of the camera should be motivated and have purpose, mm-hmm. right? In a, in a perfect world, every movie would be like that. Every shot, every frame. But in this, yeah, it seems like where they're just having a town hall meeting. You know, you can imagine a director just being like, all right, we're just going to do, you know, over the shoulder, over the shoulder, wide shot, medium shot, you know, normal coverage. Yeah. And instead, he's doing a lot of really fun stuff in there as far as just getting it framed just right. So just the right people are in the shots, you know. Mm-hmm. So then you have that moment where Quint runs his head and down the chalkboard and it cuts over to him, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, like I said. We could talk about that for ever, forever, but we only have one more segment and we need to get through a lot of this movie. So um, we're not going to recap the plot of Jaws we're to not. the world. No, that's that's foolishness. Uh, we, I feel like no one's have seen this movie before. Everybody knows at least what Jaws is about. Um, but we're about to have to take a break. So when we come back, I want to go into um, kind of the structure of the movie, the three-act structure, each each act introduces a new wrinkle or new character. I think a that's new wrinkle. Yeah, or a new character. Look, Jaws music is playing back in my ears. <laughs> um, but yeah, How did I look at that. Sorry, <laughs> but yeah, each each act introduces introduces a new character and a new kind of like wrinkle in the plot. Like it, the mood, the the focus shifts okay. each time, and. And kind of how that helps to keep the pacing going in this movie, because that's another thing that doesn't, I mean, it does get enough praise. It's praised all the time. But something that I just wasn't anticipating was that how pacey this movie was going to be um, and how much of that pacing still works in a way that I cannot say about a lot of thrillers from 1975. Anyway, <laughs> quick break to hear from our sponsors. And when we get back to finish up our discussion of Jaws. Hi, this is Sarah. And I'm Carter. And this is Some of Our Thoughts. We're two Southern sommeliers, and we want to share everything we love and know about wine. 
we started hanging out during quarantine and cooking and drinking and listening to music and we just thought this would be a great way to bring everything we know to you guys. We will make wine knowledge and food pairings easy and approachable. So put on your favorite vinyl, grab your favorite glass of wine, tune into our show, and let's have some fun. Wine Wine and vinyl. vinyl. (laughs) So check us out on roguemedianetwork.com or wherever you get your favorite podcast. We'll be talking about a lot. Nine one one. What's your emergency? Do you hear that? It's coming from the house. It's coming from inside the house. Uh, do you mean? Could it be? The, the Poltergeist. House. New from Rogue Media. Two haunted hotties talking about haunted places. Every episode, we dive deep into the darkest places and give you a bit of history. We're getting spooky in all the right places. You've gobbled your last ghoul. Follow along for the craziest and spookiest stories with Debbie's Dark Tourism. The Stanley Hotel, Winchester House, The Alamo, Hotel Monte Vista, and more spooky places. Find us at the underscore poltergals. P-O-L-T-E-R-G-A-L-S. Look over your shoulder. It's us, the Poltergals. Wherever you consume the podcast, you can find us there. Welcome back to the Kids Stays in the Podcast and our discussion of Jaws. The original Jaws, but in 3D. Yeah. Not Jaws 3D. <laughs> we would not like to confuse it with that. So what I was saying before the break was uh, I wanted to kind of talk about the structure of the movie and how it's broken into three very clear acts, right? And um, each act kind of introduces us to a new character. In fact, I would almost argue that so the 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 main character, the main our main protagonist is uh, Chief Brody, and uh, he introduces the movie to us. But I would kind of argue that by the end of the movie, Brody's not even really the main character anymore. Almost, I mean, he still is. Yeah, but he kind of Shares. takes back seat. You know what I mean? Like it becomes a three man. Well, no, because that would imply it does. It does become a three man, you know, movie. But I'm I'm saying that it actually becomes each time it introduces a new character, he keeps getting sidelined more and more. Right. Because Brody's big thing is that he's afraid of the water. Mm -hmm. He's afraid of boats, but he's a sheriff on a, you know, an island. island. Um, So as the movie has is forced to move further and further onto boats and onto the water, he is kind of not able to be as as helpful. Sure. Um, so, how would you break down the th- these three acts? Let's let's see if we can let's see if we can do it quickly. Why would you make me do not this? a synopsis of them? But where would you say what would you say are the inciting incidents of each of the acts? I don't really know how the first act ends. Would it be? I feel like the first act. Okay, the, the start of the first act is the girl dying, the first death of the movie, and then then it's like like a it's kind of like a detective thing. You know, we're like trying to figure things out and we want to like close the beaches or whatever. But it's like, oh, it's not going to make us any money right before the 4th of July. I can't do that. Okay, we don't need the plot. We, we got the plot. Yeah, okay. And then. Okay, mm-hmm. sorry. Um, and then it's like. Then the then the, the kid dies. And then I feel like that's whenever the movie, that's when the second act starts. What's the kid's name? You're not going to name all these people? You're just naming them the girl, the kid? So sad. Do you know their names? Well, Tell them. Speak up. It's like speak loud. Finny Mitz Mitz Muffin. That yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's like Danny. Finny Mitz Muffin. You have a lot of time. So then, then the and then we have a second act, and that's when I feel like once that little boy dies, that's whenever that's when the movie starts ramping up. I'd say you know what I mean. Uh, changing that, I feel like that completely shifts. Uh, the movie's saying it, it starts more turning into like, like a um, a riot. Like, oh, we're gonna go kill the shark, and it's like people coming, and we're trying to figure out what's happening still. But it's still like everyone's trying to murder this shark, and then the third act is the three main characters. They're trying to catch this shark now. Yeah. So I would break it down. I think pretty simply, as far as 
what from the character point of view, right? So I'd say it is. Oh, well, is there a shark? Oh, there definitely is a shark. What are we gonna do about it? And then kill the shark. Those are what I would how I would just say from the point of view of the characters what their three acts are. Okay. And um, that that's a terrible description of how the acts are, but I think that works. No, I think that's a great description. Um, so at the beginning of Chief Brody, he's like trying to figure out how to do this person. He assumes the shark attack. He immediately wants to close the beaches. He's cautious. He's wise, like you said. The you know. Larry doesn't want to. Larry needs that sweet, sweet 4th of July dough. Mayor Vaughn. Stop calling him Mayor Vaughn. That's what they call him. Solomon kept arguing that his name is Vaughn, which it is, but nobody calls him Vaughn the whole movie long. They call him Larry. The thing is, it's not true, and for two, that's his name in the credits is Vaughn. Just letting you know. It doesn't say Larry Vaughn. It just says Vaughn. I don't believe that's true. Well, we're not going to argue about the credits. That's the... That's the <laughs> Of a, in a lifetime of stupid <laughs> arguments that I've had with you, that would be the stupidest. So, um, once we move into the second act, then we're introduced to Richard Dreyfuss's character, Hooper. And he is kind of, um, not kind of, he's like young, arrogant, educated, you know. Fun. Yeah, he's fun. He's he's funny. He's my favorite charming. character, or at it, least in the first time we see him. Yeah, one of my favorite shots in this movie, and it's so weird because it's just a dialogue scene is whenever um hooper and brody are both trying to convince larry that the shark is still out there and that that shark you know gonna eat people because mm-hmm. uh, they think they already caught the shark they didn't it's just a tiger shark but it's just a three shot where um larry mayor larry is on the left Hooper's kind of in the middle and then uh, Brody on the right side. And um, so it's mostly Hooper is walking back deep into the frame mm-hmm. and then forward. And then side to side is kind of Brody moving. And they're all constantly switching places in space, all in front of this big defaced billboard for Amity that has, you know, someone spray painted a shark or whatever on it. Yeah. Anyway, just go watch the movie. And then when you see the scene, you'll know it, but it's, it's hard in a podcast to, to ex- describe a visual like that. It's just incredibly composed for just a conversation shot. Yeah. Um, and then as we move through the research, finding out what the shark is, wherever mm-hmm. we move fully into the, the shark is now struck again. There's no, they're not able to contain it. Um, also, I know this is dumb to to, to say for because it's considered one of the scariest movies or whatever thrillers. The, the the suspense sequences in this movie, like in the second act, whenever Hooper goes snorkeling underwater to check the hull of that boat, mm-hmm. um, they were so suspenseful to me that I could not. Be, I was astonished. Like I thought I was going to enjoy the movie, but I thought it was going to be from like a more intellectual standpoint yeah i was not expecting it to grab me like a thriller and work me the same way it probably worked audiences 1975 it's it's crazy how this movie will if it it like how well this movie is aged and it will probably live forever because like i don't even the i can't, I can't even think of any problems it, it, it can't age it's already everything about it is perfect so, yeah. like, it's it's gonna live forever. Well, did you find it to be like a taut, suspenseful thriller, dude? I actively jumped like three times in the movie because of how scared I was. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of horror movies and, and this a lot movie of shark is, movies. And this movie is fifty years old. Mm-hmm. So, just I I am shocked. Yeah, I I I was just really surprised at how much the movie was working me the whole time, and I was more expecting to just be kind of analyzing it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, getting us through that 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 second act, then we go and we hit we meet Quint. You know, we met him earlier in a bit of foreshadowing. Um, and this is played by the great Robert Shaw, whose uh, accent only comes out a couple of times, but for the most part, um, he's not for the most part. He's absolutely crushing the role of, of Quint. Mm-hmm. And at this point, the movie turns into a three-hander, but I still would argue that Brody kind of is pushed a little bit aside. You know what I mean? Not that he's not in a lot of the shots or whatever, but he can't really do much besides, you know, chum the waters and occasionally help with a rope, learn how to tie a knot. 
So he's definitely a part of the of this now three person ensemble. Um, I actually though I'm gonna I'm gonna not go out on a limb. I don't think anybody would really argue with this. It's just kind of a overly cute way of saying it. I'm gonna argue it's not uh, a three person. Uh, I'm gonna argue five five characters. At the end. Five. Five major characters. Quint, Brody. I guess the shark. How many would that make? Four. Hooper. Bruce, the shark. My gosh. Who's the fifth? The orca. The orca. Clearly a character. You don't agree? Who's the orca? The boat. The boat. (laughs) You're joking, right? I'm not joking. You just forgot how many characters were in there and you meant to say four? No. No, I'm not joking. You meant meant to say five? Yeah. You consider the boat to be a character? Yep. I do. Why? It everything about that boat, like well, now I can't think of another word to use. But every, that boat itself has so much character, so much personality. It's so much of what people remember when they think of Jaws is that boat, um, and the line about how it's not big enough. Um, <laughs> there is, and like the whole time, there, the the <laughs> boat is what's being mauled instead of the humans, until eventually, it, you know, goes too. But I think that the boat is a, the a hidden character. fourth character. I could not include the shark, so I had to make it five. I was just going to say four. But obviously, yeah. You're such a goober. I the stand boat by is it. not a character. I stand by it. That's like saying like in a disaster movie that all the houses are characters because nope. the houses are getting destroyed and not the people. No, but I think that in like a movie like the house on Haunted Hill or The Haunting then the house absolutely I would consider a character. I, we're literally doing a show right now where a haunted house is a character. That is because the house is literally a character. But the person wrote it because in the haunted house, the haunted house itself is as much a part, a character in the movie as the people being haunted. Anyway, we're talking about Jaws here. Yeah, and you're talking about boats <laughs> and how houses are alive. So anyway, what did you think about that like third act? I, I mean, like as far as like, did it, how was it? How did it work for you? As a just the movie's been escalating s- tension, and then this movie is now them thinking they're hunting the shark, or maybe they're getting hunted by the shark. Exactly. I mean, teed you up there, but yeah. Um. Wow. Okay. Um. I think. I thought. I feel like I liked the third act, but I feel like it was my least favorite act. Really. Yeah. That's okay. Personally. Um, like it was fun. There was certain moments that I really liked. Um, and it's not that it wasn't suspenseful or scary. I enjoyed it, but I, I feel like I enjoyed it more whenever there, people were still trying to figure it out. And it was, it, it felt more like, like a detective and was like, Oh, this is fun. And this, this new character's funny. And I, I feel like it was just more, it was less, it was more, it was funnier. And, I know that's like, and then the third act was just like really, like really, really dramatic with a lot of like. Dramatic. They get drunk and sing sea shanties. They compare, to, they compare all of their scars. Yeah, that was fun. Hooper makes all those faces at, at, uh, at Quint because he gets mad at him because he bosses him around. Yes. He thinks he's smarter. Yes, I know. And that was really funny. But I'm not saying this, this act wasn't funny at all. I'm, and there, like so I said, it's a funny thing to complain about in Jaws. The third act just, it wasn't as funny as the first two acts. <laughs> well, I know, but I feel like the first, the first two acts were like light and it was still like really interesting. Light? <laughs> yeah. I would not say that they were light. They were lighter. A child gets eaten by a shark. <sighs> You're always holding that over my head. Chi- children getting eaten by sharks happen all the time. This is weird. I don't understand now. Now your whole, your whole. Uh, intellectual dissection of this movie is falling apart. No, I'm just saying, like, I feel like... I'm not saying that, that the problem with the movie was it wasn't funny enough. I'm just saying I feel like the third act... I'm not saying I didn't like it. It was a good act. It was good. I'm not saying it's bad or anything. I'm not saying it's not great. I'm just saying I liked the other two acts more. Okay. But That's it fine. was still enjoyable, and I everything still worked the exact same. Suspense was great. The dramatic scenes were good. Like, the speech was good, even though I was tired. 
distracted. Um, everything about the third act was great and interesting, but I was just saying that I liked the first two acts more. Well, what I really liked was that they Spielberg just drags tension out of everything in that act, the third act. Like, it's not just, and this is what a lot of shark movies make mistakes on, it's not just the shark attacking the scenes that are scary or when you think someone could fall in the water that's scary. Everything that's happening is dangerous. You know what I mean? When they, Whenever the, you know, because Brody doesn't know his way around a boat. Brody. I said Brody doesn't know his way around a boat. Sound like you said Brody. So. No, Brody. So, like, there's scenes where he accidentally unties things and they go flying across the deck or whenever he ties them in the wrong spot and that guy's legs almost get broken. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there's jibs swinging around and almost chopping people's heads off. You know what I mean? Like, everything that's happening on this boat is dangerous on top of the fact that there is a shark, that there's a giant shark attacking them. Mm-hmm. And um, we're almost out of time, but I'd be just really quickly. I want to point out another thing that shark movies just don't get right. That this movie does, even though you can see the cracks in Bruce, which is the nickname they get the crew gave to the shark, the mechanical shark. And it always was breaking down. It still feels real and huge and has a presence. But besides that, it's the way that Spielberg shoots the characters' deaths that make them more impactful. These people seem like these are people that, for the most part, you care about. And for just a bit, because she seems young and innocent and having fun, you care about the person at the very beginning of the film that gets attacked. Mm-hmm. But also, they do not make this look fun. It's always shot outside of the water, probably because they needed to do that. But it's more effective because you get to see how much they're suffering, how much they're afraid. You can see it on their face. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That to me is the saddest part of when Quint dies is he doesn't get to die even though he's being a Billy badass and whacking the shark with the machete. He's still screaming and he's still horrified and he's still in agony. Mm-hmm. And you see that on Robert Shaw's face. And I think focusing on characters and those situations is so much more terrifying and powerful than just, oh, we have better special effects now and we can show people's arms and legs and whatever getting ripped off and violent motion yeah anyway we may do a follow-up podcast and go do a deep dive get a guest on here and do some more jaws later on in the year but um that's all the time we have for today i just want to say i absolutely love this movie i know it's a cliche but i literally wanted to call everybody and be like have you ever heard of this movie jaws it's like one of my favorite movies now i'm not gonna lie of all time uh so yeah yeah i'd say pretty great pretty great shockingly good shockingly good i was shocked all right Thanks for tuning in. Until next time. Goodbye. Follow us on Instagram at the Kid in the Pick and on RogueMediaNetwork.com. Till next time. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.